the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is produced and distributed through a partnership with AV Nation and Rave Publications. For more information, go to ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 34, recorded Sunday, March 25th, 2012. Picture on picture. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. This is AV Week. AV. AV Week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. I am your host, Tim Albright. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this week we have Dawn Mead, the marketing and media coordinator for NetAV. She's also a blogger and the... AV goddess. How are you, ma'am? Very good. Thank you. Uh, also with us is Matt D. Scott. He's the owner-operator of Omega Audio Video in London, Ontario, Canada. Welcome, sir. Hey, how are you guys doing? Doing well. Uh, two hours to the west of me is Rich Fragoza from FragozaDesign.com. How are you, sir? Doing great. Uh, finally catching up on my sleep. Uh, looking forward to it after our a wonderful time together with uh, all of our 80-week compatriots. Oh, sleep is overrated. Sleep, sleep when you're dead. Yep, exactly. sleep when you're dead. <laughs> and last but certainly not least, he is the Crestron Electronics DM trainer extraordinaire. His name is Kevin Iselli, and it's wow. his birthday. Wow. Oh, there you go. Thank you for pointing out I'm one year closer to death. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know what? We're all one year closer to death. <laughs> And we're all one minute and 13 seconds closer to death after that intro. So, And on top of it, think about it this way, is that as you're spiraling towards death, you're forced to spend it with us for the next hour. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I got to go. <laughs> Actually, uh, not, not, to, not to point out anything weird, but uh, we're doing this on Sunday evening, which is out of the ordinary for all of us. And Kevin sent me back a note and said, yep, we can do it. I'll have bourbon in hand. I'm like, yep, this is how we should do this. It's going to be a good show. Bourbons and cigars and, you know, just kind of chilling out on a Sunday evening. Uh, This week we're going to talk about Infocom and some new pavilions that I personally think is cool, and I'm kind of looking forward to them uh, now that Infocom is about, uh, you know, two and a half months away. HDTV HDTV sales are on a decline. uh, And also uh, we're going to get an iPad review from both uh, Mr. Fergoza and Mr. Omega Audio Video. But first, something that's kind of come down the, the pike the last couple of years, actually, is um, a row, a, a legal row, uh, with Kaleidoscape and the uh, the DVD CCA. If you don't know what Kaleidoscape is, Kaleidoscape is, is a company that produces a server, a video server, as it were, and uh, allows you to take your DVDs and rip them in and then serve them up to you uh, digitally. Um, Crestron has an interface for them. Crestron has something actually that something that similar that that does the same thing, similar. And uh, a couple other companies have similar products, but the Kaleidoscape one is, is kind of what the DVD CCA went after. Uh, there was a, a an injunction uh, released this week, and Kaleidoscape said uh, their CEO Malcolm Michael Malcolm uh, released a, a letter to the dealers saying, 
don't worry about it, forget about it, it's not a big deal. Uh, Rich, we'll start with you because this is kind of in your in your wheelhouse there, dude. Uh, is it a big deal? Should he have said forget about it? Um, you know, anecdotally speaking, uh, I don't think it's a big deal. Again, it's DVD, the DVD Association taking a crack at Kaleidoscape. It's, you know, at this point, it might as well have the Betamax Association try to sue them <clears throat> as well. <laughs> you know, wow. You know, I mean, case in point, I, you know, my de- two of my dealers, I've sold four of them in the past 10 days um, because we don't care about DVD. It's the Blu-ray, the optical media, and the download streaming for high-performance systems that we're worried about at this point. And DVD, you know, it, it, we're telling people, look, you know, buy an Apple TV then if you want DVD instant content. You know, it, 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 it's a non-issue at this point. Um, you know, w- will they take a hit if the injunction is taken down? Yeah, of course. But... You know, I mean, Michael, one of the things to remember is that this is the DVD CCA winning their appeal. They were ruled against the first time. So this is the second time that they've been in court for the same thing. And so the chances of it probably going back a third time, pretty likely. You know, again, I'm not an attorney, but at least from what I understand about Kaleidoscape's position on this, they are not going to take this lying down. And if they need to spend some more time in court, then that's what they'll do. Yeah, I'm not a, le- a lawyer either, then, so that's why I was kind of asking the question. You know, it, it, this guy may be a lawyer. I don't know. Um, he, he's the CEO of a, of a, of a pretty good sized company. He's very well advised. And we prior go. to Kaleidoscape, he was the CEO of a huge um, uh, tech company. So this is, you know, this is not some, uh, somebody who just decided, hey, you know, let's put on a show and build a company. This is a seasoned CEO. And this is now a seasoned CEO who is not happy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and you mix those together, and you know that's that's a pretty good combination. So you know, um, you know, could could I be completely wrong? Yeah, I could be, but they've been going so far at this point. You know, I think that they're they're gonna all parties are gonna wind up doing even more of their due diligence, and there'll probably be another appeal. And at the end of it, it'll probably be much ado about nothing because DVDs will be dead. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the way I feel about it at this point in terms of residential. Um, it, it's just, it's such a non-factor in terms of the optical format. Kevin, you guys have something like this and I'm not, I'm not asking you to, to give the crust run legal position. Um, but does this, do you think this should affect you guys or is this just, uh, DVD CCA just kind of slapping kaleidoscape around? I don't really think it affects us generally because we don't have the ability on our ADMS to actually rip DVD oh, content right, yeah. to the drive. That's where this comes into play is that kaleidoscape for blu-ray which i'm not bashing the kaleidoscape i think their front end is amazing uh for blu-ray you have to have a disc and a changer uh if you want to uh, rip a dvd or cd content it can do that right through their unit where uh we uh the adms though you can store content wink wink nudge nudge uh the device itself doesn't rip uh to local content or local storage Speaking of which, the article, which comes from CE Pro Magazine, actually has a nice link that has 12 ways to rip DVDs. Not that I'm connoting that sort of thing. Isn't that fun? No. Uh, We were actually supposed to talk to Julie Jacobson this week, and I was hoping to get her on because, good Lord, this gets her ire up. Uh, Don, is this this like Rich says, you know, the Betamax version of 2012? Where they're kicking and screaming, but it's just going to kind of happen anyway because we we don't we don't really care about DVDs. Well, I mean, to a large extent, yes. What, uh, you know, this made news because the Kaleidoscape 
um, lawsuit was probably either the biggest or, or the first. You know, it, it's early on in the process. But the reality is there's there's a lot of this going on. It's like trying to put the genie back in the bottle. People want their content streamed. They want their content stored on a hard drive. You know, DVDs and even Blu-rays are very quickly going. I mean, they're not there yet. There's gonna there's a long road. You know, my mom, bless her heart, in her 70s, she's just starting to learn her DVD player, which of course, you know, it means it's going away. But <laughs> it, it, it's one of those things. You know, nowadays, the the technology and and people's mindset has changed so rapidly. And with all the Netflix live streaming and and Amazon Prime, if you if you have you know anything about Amazon Prime and and Hulu and all of these things, people want their content delivered this way. Mm-hmm. And and rather than spending all their time and energy suing Kaleidoscape and trying to put an injunction against them, DVD CCA would be better off trying to figure out a way to profit from this new business model or they will go away. And and that's just the reality of it. You know, uh, I I doubt the Laserdisc CCA group is uh, <laughs> oh, you know doing, doing really well right now. They're with the Betamax guys, you know. It, it just you figure out a way to deal with the new paradigm. Or you die off. You know what? And, and they're kicking and screaming. You know. Rich said he still has a functional laser disc somewhere. I do. A, a Runto LJR1. It was actually the world's best laser disc. Which means it, which is why it's still running. Well, I, actually, it, well, actually, it just meant that they they put the lead ingots in it instead of <laughs> <laughs> circuit boards. We we used to sell it by the pound. <laughs> oh, wow. this must be really good. It weighs a lot. <laughs> but there are people out there that ha- still have working functional reel-to-reel players. There are people out there that yeah. still have working functional Betamax players. It doesn't mean that that anybody actually uses that for real anymore. Well, it, you know, it's a museum piece kind of. But it, the the point is, it, it it's just not where things are going. And and if they this organization would would wise up, they'd try to figure out a way to to make their money and stay in business in the new paradigm, in the new world, as opposed to kicking and screaming to try to put that genie back in the bottle. It isn't going to happen. Yeah. Matt, one of your one of your main avenues is house of worship and, and, and churches and stuff. It, this is something, and this is my opinion, my, my, my perception of those places. Most of them nowadays uh, are downloads. I mean, it hasn't, it's been a long time since I've seen an actual functional DVD player inside a lot of churches, at least in, in, the, in the Midwest here because there are so many other sources that they can download stuff to. And it's a lot cheaper. And it's a lot easier for them. Yeah. It's something that I, I honestly do still see a lot of DVD players in and around, maybe not always in the main, you know, facility or auditorium, but in a lot of the peripheral rooms, uh, okay. just cause they have a lot of older content on it. <clears throat> the difference being that they're not doing much with it. They're, you know, it's your most basic systems of systems of, hey, we're going to pull a disc out and plug it in uh, to watch a movie or something or, you know, do whatever to teach kids or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but, yeah, especially for the the main auditoriums and the main presentation systems, they're, you know, the majority of the software that's out now all comes with digital downloads of, you know, your jump backs and all your, all your video pieces um, and a lot of the major – manufacturers of those you know you know bumpers and stuff like that most of them don't even ship dvds at all it's strictly a a base media side Mm -hmm. and i think that's the big difference is you know this this story frustrates me in general just because here in canada we deal with a lot of being told what we can and cannot do with any form of technology and 
as we've discussed on many previous shows in the past, I have huge issues with the fact that some company says that, hey, I can watch this on my TV if it's on cable just fine, but I, God forbid I stream it somewhere. Um, and that's a whole other. Well, no, speaking of that, though, speaking, it, it, I'm sorry. To me, it's, to me, it's the same issue. It, it's that whole, hey, if I own this piece of whatever it is, whether it be an, an LP, whether it be an 8-track, which we actually installed a couple of weeks ago for someone. No. Uh, yeah, seriously, it was hilarious. It yeah. really didn't work, but, you know, the the one out of five that we tried did kind of kind of play. Um, dude, believe it or not, I still occasionally put in a VCR. I have a it, new tagline for you. Omega Audio Video, where you can get your 8-track installed. Yeah, buddy. Um but anyways, you know, it, it's one of those things, no matter what we do with the content, when we own it, it, it's, it's, to me, it's the same as if I get a magazine, I can cut those things up and make a collage and frame it. And no one should be able to tell me I can't. So if I go buy a CD, buy a movie, whatever, if I want to rip it and use it however I want to use it, if I want to put it on my iPhone, if I want to put it, you know, splice it up and make some stupid little video, I should be allowed to do that. And as much as I don't think that this, uh, this story in this case really affects too many people uh, in the sense that, you know, guys who have Kaleidoscape systems as a rule are not as concerned with DVD as they are with Blu-ray. Yeah. I'm sure they have large libraries and they've liked the effectiveness of this. But in new systems down the road, it's, you know, it's a, oh, will this still play my DVDs? Yeah. Okay. Then, yeah, that's fine. But, you know, and then you come back and say, well, how many DVDs have you watched? Well, we actually just went and bought a Blu-ray version of it because it looks better. Yeah, that's true. All right, uh, from our buddies over at Rave Publication, Infocom adds four new special events to the June show, and and what they are are the the different pavilions and the different areas that houses a, a number of different manufacturers. It's not you know just one manufacturer getting showcased. Uh, but it's it's a place for you where you can go and see a bunch of different technologies that are similar. I'll just say similar. Uh, last couple of years, they've had a digital signage uh, pavilion. Uh, last year in Orlando, they had an HD camera pavilion where they had several cameras set up side by side. Uh, I think I, I counted up to 10 uh, side by side shooting the exact same thing uh, with more. the manufacturers. What? <laughs> they needed more. Well, yes, they needed more, but they had a lot, though. I mean, here's the thing. They did way more. It, it, it's an Infocom show that had broadcast cameras. I mean, not like big Ikigamis, but still, you know, some, some good ENG stuff. So this year, not going to comment on the on the the previous shows. Well, well, what they wound up doing is they took a big eraser and where it said like on the floor plant, they 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 took the eraser <laughs> to <do> EX. <laughs> Don't do it. We have one again. Rich, I was hoping to get through an entire show without mentioning the fact that Extron is bowed out for some godforsaken reason. Fourteen minutes in, and it's already. Sorry, podcast recorded high five over the air to uh, my good friend Rich. Sorry, Andrew. All right. Uh, <laughs> um, the the four the, oh jeez I'm ready I'm allowed to say these things oh knock yourself out yeah um, the four areas think that, of all the malamine people that are out of work now <laughs> but if you need so, countertops okay, I'm you, sure you know what here's, here's another one somebody uh, tweeted where are we going to get our tweakers this year so that's another one. <laughs> oh that's true that's yeah. it um, the four areas 
<laughs> I will get through this story. The four areas that Infocom is introducing uh, is the Commercial Systems and Sustainability Pavilion. Not to be simplistic, but that's the green area. <laughs> that's the that's the green pavilion. Uh, with it's you know low voltage and stuff like that. Um, next it's gen commercial equipment with a switch that says off. Yes. Uh, next gen commercial concepts building. Uh, basically, they're taking the next gen home and they're putting it on steroids. So it's it's next gen commercial according to Infocom. Uh, conferencing education stage. I like this a, a lot. Um, and then the production zone, which is just for Matt D. Scott, who apparently you know, right it is. Uh, complained <laughs> a lot about the number of HD cameras they had. And that is, you know, side-by-side comparison uh, on large screen displays. Also an editing bay, which I think is pretty cool. Again, I think that's really cool because you're taking an element of NAB, uh, National Association of Broadcasters, and, and bringing it back to Infocom, which it, it, it had been missing for a few years. Uh, Don, is are do you, are you excited about any of these? Are these just kind of like eh? They they had a large space to fill. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> all of the above. Um, I, I mean, it's good that they're finally. You know, I, I've I've kind of enjoyed the pavilions the past couple of years because it does make it kind of easy to organize things. Like if you know you have no interest in a certain topic, just avoid that big you know, purple area or whatever color it happens to be, and head to the other pavilion. Or or if you know you definitely you know, have a vertical market that's all video teleconferencing, um, hit the hit the VTC and, and um, you know, telepresence pavilion, that, that sort of thing. And that's been very successful for them. So they, they can't really go wrong with adding this. Um, when I first saw Production Zone, I was like, oh, geez, here we go. Because, again, with you're crossing into, into NAB territory. But then thinking about it, you know, my, my former – one of the former integrators I worked with – you know, they also did a lot of production stuff. They actually installed a lot of production studios for universities and for um, corporate clients that did their own in-house production, and they wanted the good stuff. And now the company never did enough integrations in that world to warrant a trip to NAB, but to be able to have that at Infocom, you know, that, that's a good thing for the, for those sorts of integrators. And, and I'm sure my, my former employer is not the only company that does that in the nation. So, um, you know, I, th- I think that this is going to be a good move on their part. Um, none, none of these particularly has me doing backflips that I must go to that pavilion, but I'm definitely going to check them all out. I'm hurt. So, <laughs> Kevin's hurt. Why are you hurt? Oh, that was me. Oh, why are you hurt, Matt? <laughs> oh, no, just because I love going to NAB and it's been a couple of years since I've been there. So anytime I see them doing more and more production, more the better. And the main reason I say this is because, you know, as you already mentioned, I do a lot of house of worship stuff and we do a lot of, you know, edit bays and a lot of production and a lot of stuff like that. The other side being that, you know, we're finding more and more companies, e- even into some of the smaller businesses, are doing more video stuff. That's becoming such a larger part of marketing in general that this is something that is creeping in to more and more things because you get people producing things via, you know, iPhones and, you know, cameras in their computers and then realizing, hey, we should, you know, we want to step this up a little bit. So I I just think this is a good way for people who, again, aren't going to make the jump to go to NAB to see something and see uh, a little bit more what's out there. And at the same time, help the ones that are doing or, or trying to do production, but doing it poorly, get a better feel for what's actually there. I, I've believe it or not, seen production studios 
that used security cameras as their cameras for mm. broadcast, believe it or not. And you look at it and go, really? You go, yeah, these are, the, these are the same. No, no, they're not. But thanks for trying. <laughs> Rich, all, all kidding aside for a second, is this are, – are you excited about any of these any, any of these pavilions? You know, as somebody who's you know more – you know, again, it, 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 the commercial and the professional isn't really my sweet spot. So for me, I can just go to Infocom and get exposed to a greater range of ancillary markets so that I don't have to go to NAB. I don't have to go to the government show. So for somebody like me who has uh, – more than a passing interest, but I don't have a fully vested interest, I think it's great because it allows me to make one trip, much like if a, a commercial person came to CBS. That's yeah. the way that I view it, is that it's one place where all of these subsets of the market are that I can go ahead and at least take a look and, and ask a couple of questions or at least be exposed to it. So for me, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, if, if, I, if, I, if I'm only going to one big party now, uh, <laughs> I've got to fill oh, my time somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, Kevin. You're although not. I'm, although I'm waiting for the tweaker pavilion, so you know we're just going to have ten or fifteen different tweakers in a shootout. That's fragozadesign.com. All legal matters should be forwarded to. <laughs> Kevin, you're not going to see any of these anyway because you're <laughs> you work for a manufacturer and. He's gonna. He's the guy making the pigs and blankets. Yeah. For, uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, we get those from Costco. Oh, yeah. Nice. So they're already pre-made. They're just pre-made. Have to heat them up a little bit. Yeah. They have an oven um, in the back of the thing. Well, I don't know. I, I guess looking at these the, the uh, pavilions that they're talking about here, uh, kind of interesting. Uh, I mean, you could say you want to see good examples of all of these, with the exception of maybe the broadcast side. Just go to. C7508, the Crestron booth, and you'll see it there. Um, or even, let's, we could go back as far as last week when, um, or no, was it two weeks ago we did the uh, Mr. Klein event? Two weeks ago. Um, he said some pretty profound things. We've got to remember that we're not in the AV industry, we're in the technology industry. Yeah. And that it, maybe this is something kind of coming to fruition, what he said actually on AV Week a few weeks ago. You know, take that whole, take everything and integrate it. It's all technology, and maybe with some of these, uh, you know, the, the sustainability and, and such, maybe that's the next step that he was talking about. Yeah, that and the and the next gen stuff is is kind of cool. So I, I think yeah. it's cool. I, I like it. I like like Don said, it gives you one place to go because let's let's face it, it's a, it's a big show. It's it's a big floor. Um, it's not as big obviously as NAB and some other shows, but. If you are interested in, let's say, digital signage or HD cameras, uh, it gives you one place to kind of give them, you know, side by side comparisons. So I, I thought it was yeah. Cool. Always been a fan of the pavilions. Like you said, it's it's a nice little, you know, roundup of all of the the people or the players in the markets of those specific technologies. So you don't have to, you know, walk from one end of the hall to the next, just looking for that manufacturer you want to see. Yeah, and, well, yeah. And, go ahead. I, no, I was just gonna say, and you know, the extension of that for me has always been the, you know, the ability to see a lot of the different products working together to form a solution properly. Yes, yeah. Which is always a good extension because you know I know Crestron can do almost everything that you'd ever need, but 
you know, there are still sometimes additional parts that need to go into whatever type of system or building you're working on to make that work and function properly. And I, I always find that the pavilions are really, really good for that, you know, kind of understanding. It's also a good place if you're not familiar with a particular segment of the market. Like a few years ago, I wasn't really sure what the heck digital signage was or what it meant. And so the pavilion was very helpful. And I just kind of walked around it. And I want to say it was two or three years ago uh, when they had the first one. And you just kind of, you know, just talk to each manufacturer, what they did. And, and like Matt said, they had different se- different solutions one part of of the pavilion was the display and and you know this company didn't make the display but they made the the, the digital server the the, the uh, digital signage server that that fed the display so I thought, I thought it was kind of kind of useful so um from NPD display search HD TV sales have declined dun 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 because y'all didn't buy enough 3d TVs what does that exactly mean? What does that mean? What do you mean? What does it mean? I mean, they declined. That that they, they, does that mean that they they overestimated their sales and no. now they, they year, declined? No, uh, year-to-year growth was negative. It's a headline, Kevin. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but it's Q, it's, what is it, no, Q4? It's, no, it's, 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 it's Q, yeah, Q4. Yeah, Q4 this year versus Q4 last year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Q4 11 to Q4 10. Yeah, that's what I mean. Um. And you know, so and here's here's the bigger story. What it, what it what really you're was. What telling me honestly though is everybody's sets or everybody who bought flat screens a year ago or two years ago, those are actually still working. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> yes. <a> no. <laughs> it's a good thing unless you're NPD Display Search or Panasonic or Pioneer or who else is left <laughs> making flat screens? Left. Samsung. Samsung <laughs> is making flat screens still. Well, now, they, what be... they're going to do is they're going to just start calling all of the TVs coming up the new HD TV. So that way, <laughs> well, oh yeah, we get a new one. The new one? What the do you new, mean? new one. The new one. Now, now, to be fair, guys, to be fair, let, let's look at the article or the, the, the headline. Look beyond the headline here. Please. It, it's not just – if you look at the chart at the top of the headline, it's not just HD TV sales decline. It breaks down the quarter-to-quarter growth and the year-to-year growth in each different segment. And if you look at this, LCD's TVs, they grew 24% from third quarter to fourth quarter, mm-hmm. and they grew 1% over the year to year. Now, plasmas, they grew 26, or PDP grew 26% quarter to quarter. They went down 8% year to year, but everybody's moving to LCDs. OLED went up 470% quarter to quarter. But it's down 73% year to year. Well, it's still a developing technology. But the, the big story, and it's not even really a story for those of us that have been around, do is it, CRT. No. <laughs> no. 25% down quarter to quarter, fifty-one or sorry, 43% down year to year. So it's not even really saying HDTV sales decline across the board so all the big guys are, are pardon me, screwed. It's saying that nobody wants this big bulky box sitting in their house anymore. They want something sleek and flat hanging on the wall. I do. The, the last, yeah, the last, the last category was rear projection TVs, which was 46% growth quarter to quarter, but year to year it was down 51%. Well, rear projection TVs are like those CRTs. They're big, bulky things people don't want anymore. So, yeah, the, the guys catering to the pizza stores are weeping the world over. You know, that was my favorite thing going into, you know, the, the Chuck E. Cheese, the big 40-inch, you oh, know, yeah. the, the tangular TV that was six feet off the ground to begin right. with. 
So you can't even actually see it because it was never intended to be watched off access. So you're seeing this dim image of, you know, whatever it is while you're at Chuck E. Cheese and the kid's like, this is awesome. Look at that size of that thing. (laughs) And and now they have that thing a quarter of an inch off their wall in their living room. So, you know, (laughs) they don't need it. Is there even, and this is, correct me if I'm wrong, but outside of maybe broadcast. You're wrong. Is there, Tim? (laughs) Really? That was nice, it just happens. You know, just apologize up front and we'll yeah, be done. Exactly. No, but is there even a CRT that's actually HD outside of broadcast? Yes. I don't know who makes it, but God bless her, my 70-something-year-old mother had one. It's HD, though. It oh, was that, an HD. Oh, that, that, that is sold this like past two years. I, it was sold like two or three years ago, and then it went away because my brothers got her a flat TV for Christmas. Right, but what I mean so, is the fact that CRTs, I, to me, that one shouldn't even be in the HDTV you know, sales They page. actually made them, though, because the old woman had one. I know, but what I I'm mean, saying is year over year, were they selling them in 2010? Because I, be- I, I believe so. I know we weren't. We didn't have well, a most single of us model. Weren't. Yeah, most of us weren't, but they, but they were out there, though, man. Most of us in the industry weren't, but they still had 70-year-old women buying them. So, you know, they had to include them. Oh, yeah. Wood grain was extra. Yeah. They they sold them on QVC, so. Okay. All right. I'll give you that one. We we make fun, but my mom's heart is still broken. She can't get a piece of furniture anymore with the TV built in. You know, when she actually had to buy the credenza to put the TV on, she she literally wept. It was it was not a good scene. She could have just put the new TV on top of the old TV, like my folks did when I was a kid. I I have. My brothers wouldn't let her. Picture on picture. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! Oh my gosh! I actually have a uh, a cousin of my father's. Who has an old? I don't know. It's it's a forty. The big monster consoles that have you know storage down both sides, speakers, the whole kit. The tube blew on her a uh, year and a half ago, and she literally had the tube removed and had a flat screen put in the slot because she liked the credenza so much. That yeah, awesome. Awesome. great. You can get little mini bars with them and everything. Oh yeah. <laughs> Go to town. For some reason, that makes me think of Christmas stories. Like you get the box on that TV. It's like fragile. It mm-hmm. must be Italian. <laughs> Drink more Ovaltine. <laughs> oh man! And, and I must say, since we are reading this lovely story off rave, my condolences to the entire <laughs> rave pub staff. Well, explain on the loss of North Carolina today. Yeah, the UNC Tar Kansas. Hills have. Yes, have... you're out. Did not make it to the to the final four. So, so yes, I'm, I'm you sorry. Made... They're what Canada? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> hey, we don't have basketball. You know what, Matt? So we got to watch yours. <laughs> Matt, Matt is the Matt is the worst Canadian I have ever met. Aren't I? I'm terrible. <laughs> I don't even say. Ready? A. You do sometimes. You get a boot every you, once in a while. A I do get a boot all the time. You get a boot, and I say I say process, not process. There's no A in there. It's oh, process. Right. Just like, <laughs> actually, Kevin, do you guys call it a process or a process? Process. See, <laughs> right there. Even Kevin's with me. Well, well Kevin's original. We'll only go so far. He hasn't had that much bourbon yet. It's a, it's a process, but we also use the letter Z. 
<laughs> yes, you do. It's not Zed. It's Z. <laughs> or it is Zed. It is not Zed. Z. And then you can go and see that rock band, Zed Zed Top. <laughs> <laughs> wow. On that note. <laughs> All right, carry on. You're listening to AV Week. Uh, thank you for listening this far. <laughs> Rich Fergoza is <laughs> here from FergozaDesign.com. Uh, Mr. Iselli, who is from Crestron Electronics. Don Mead from NetAV and a blogger, etc. Uh, and Matt Scott from Omega Audio Video from London, Ontario, Canada, which apparently is just outside uh, Dallas, Fort Worth. So, because <laughs> Matt's also a big uh, a big Cowboys fan. Yes. Uh, just, this... just to make one last comment on that last. Oh episode. sure, what the heck? <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I was looking. You know, looking at that quarter to quarter growth on OLED, uh-huh. uh, it's pretty fascinating. But what I what I'd like to see is let's keep our eyes on this. You know, next year. Uh, now that LG and Samsung have been showing that 55-inch at Absolutely. CES, and I'm sure we'll see that at Infocom as well. Um, you know, there's still not hard specs out there. There's still not a price. But, you know, when when something like that hits the market and you compare it to, let's say, the the 60-inch rebirth of the Elite, you know, from Sharp mm-hmm. or Sharp Pioneer, if you will, um, at the same price point, uh, that'll be interesting. I like to see who wins that battle. Now, see, I'm, I'm, I, I could have dreamt this. I thought LG had a price out there of like eight thousand dollars for uh, a fifty I, or fifty-five rumors. inch. I mean, it's just it's it was all rumor. Here okay, right now, yeah, we, I, I've not seen any published okay. pricing or specs on right. it yet, just other than what we saw at CES, which was the coming someday. No, of course, and, and, the, and then there of course, there was also even talk of it even being a, uh, and I hate using the term of four K resolution, right. Because you don't know where I stand on 4K. <laughs> yeah, I know. Kevin and I had a long conversation one week about 4K, so um, it was yeah, it was educational. Um, <laughs> it, I, I didn't mean, mean that to sound as bad as it did. He, I, we had a conversation on on the air about about 4K and, and what all it meant, and then the, the next week I get a call from my silly, hey. Hey, yeah. <laughs> let which me tell you something. Which 4K are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, which that was the problem, though. That was the issue, is which 4K. So, um, uh, where we? Oh, the Microsoft thing. Uh, 3D, which I know we all know and love. I love it so much. Well, here's, here's the thing. This comes from, from techflash.com. Glassless 3D. Okay, you ready for it? Using a holoflector. Oh, come on. You guys are Star Trek fans. <laughs> Star Trek. Holoflector. It's the next step before holo, you know, the holodeck. They're no? just uh-huh. crap up. Uh, Never help mind. me, Obi-Wan. Yeah, actually, what they should have done is just had a running video. Help me, Obi-Wan. You're the only hope. Actually, it's, it's a weird picture of a guy. I'll, I'll put the, the link up on the, on the show notes. It looks like a guy taking a picture covered in snow. I thought he was wearing tinfoil. I thought he was covered in tinfoil. Tinfoil. Is that what that is? Okay, it looks like it's snow to me. I don't know. I was just waiting for him to have that triangle hat so that the the dark energy won't enter into his brain. Oh, that makes sense. They got Adam Curry to, to pose for the... To post for the the sorry, that was a really left field comment. I, how good can this be? I mean, you know, I'll, I'll quote one line in the article that literally stopped me in the my tracks where it says, "We have a tremendous amount of data coming in, but we need to understand it." <laughs> well, it's All okay, right, guys. Let, let, okay, so it's using a, a translucent mirror connect, which I'm a huge fan of using connect to do stuff like this, 
and um, a Windows phone, which is just kind of silly. Uh, but <laughs> but still, I mean, I I thought it was cool. I mean, first of all, if they're gonna shove 3D down our throats, at least get rid of the glasses. And and this was 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 the the 3D without the glasses. I was kind of hoping you were gonna say if they're gonna shove 3D down our throats, make it 3D. Well, I, I couldn't. I couldn't ask that. That would just yeah, be ridiculous. That would be, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what. We, we went through. Uh, we started a new um, national uh, deployment of uh, an, a, a road course or a road show, if you will. And uh, people were. We're doing some of this because we're getting a lot of questions of you know, do you support 3D? Do you support 3D? So you know, in the presentation, we kind of thought it'd be cute to show the forms of 3D we do support. Uh, three of those that we don't support, of course, are the Oakley 3D vision glasses, um, Crest 3D white, and 3D Doritos are not supported. Uh, but I, I am a big fan of 3D. But there's Doritos. a firmware update wait, for that. Hang on. So. Do they still sell 3D Doritos? <laughs> yeah, they're gone. As far as I know, they're gone. Okay. Canada. You can still get them in Canada. There you go. No, no, we don't get. We never got them in Canada. <laughs> did you ever get? Oh, no, you guys got to wait ten years. Did Let's you ever get, get Crystal Pepsi in Canada? I don't believe so, but I don't drink Pepsi, so consider yourself lucky. It's yeah. fine. Okay. Was yeah. that the clear Pepsi? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Bad. Oh, I remember that. It was, that was bad. I thought it was like some form of like methamphetamine fueled Pepsi or something. <laughs> like Crystal Pepsi with extra meth. No, that was Crystal Meth <laughs> Pepsi. <laughs> and that was only sold in the South. Homebrew. <laughs> it was a microbrew <laughs> with more cough syrup. Wow. <laughs> uh, we should never do this. Did anybody else notice that in this article, and when you know the listeners take a look at the article at the very bottom, that did anybody think that they actually might have hired Mark Zuckerberg at the bottom? Sure of it looked like early Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, yeah I kind of looked at it and went, "Wow!" I think that's the only reason I looked at it for a moment. The, the hardest, the hardest thing for me about reading this is I read it and then I'm like. Hold on, did they make this? Did they make this website in a bedroom somewhere? Oh, I've seen. <laughs> well, Crystal, I, I, no, they, no, no, no. They used Microsoft front page because I'm it was they you know because I've seen eight year old girls make better websites oh. than this. This is garbage. Well, well, it, you, but you know, in that uh, you know, quick plug for John Siaka since he is still the the world evangelist of Microsoft Paint. You know, maybe they contract. <laughs> wow. To do the editing on this. <laughs> You know what? It's awesome because I think Siaka could use paint about as effectively as my uh, my three year old niece does. It's it's kind of sad. Siaka, you hear me? Wow, he doesn't yeah. listen to this. I'm calling you out. <laughs> John doesn't. Calling you out. Look out. Yes, I'm calling you out. Calling you out. Look out. Well, that's going to be the next Infocom booth, right? The Microsoft Paint shootout. <laughs> We'll use paintball guns. That there we awesome. go. Nice. Hey, you know what? We have a nice big open, open space to do it in. All right. Actually, you could put a speedball field in there, yes. Don <laughs> Me, who I refer to as the AV goddess, is also a blogger as well as being um, – <laughs> the media coordinator, marketing and media coordinator for NetAV. Uh, she's also a rave blogger, and uh, from time to time, not from time to time, an awfully a lot, an awful lot. Um, when Don writes something, I will immediately read it because most of the time she'll either educate me on something or get my the little squirrels in my brain moving. And this latest blog post is no different. Uh, you went to the NSCA Business and Leadership Conference. 
I did. And I'm yes. gonna I'm gonna kind of synopsize this, and and you're gonna correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong. But this is kind of like the 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 basics of this is, you know what? Either educate your guys or hire out one of the two. Is that kind of is that you know you know develop the guys that you have to you know evolve into what we what we've kind of become back to what what uh, what Randy Klein said that we're a technology industry we're not an AV industry you know develop your guys into that or hire out is that kind of the synopsis is that a correct synopsis not 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 really so much okay. um the the, the BLC I mean that's the whole what I got principle behind the, the whole principle behind the BLC is and and I'm sure all of you know this in our industry for the most part like you know nobody grows up saying I want to be an AV when I grow up because most of us didn't know AV existed when we were little kids and so most of us you know we just sort of found we had an aptitude for technology or we really liked playing with TVs or speakers or what have you whatever led you to get into the AV industry and then you found out we we're good at it and then you started a company. And and there's not this whole, you know, business school education, learning how to write a business plan, learning how to do, you know, SWOT analyses and, 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 and all of that sort of thing. So a lot of our smaller companies especially, you know, they're, they're either hiring in people from the outside that aren't at all AV people to run the business end and that just can be disastrous or they're going back to school. They're trying to learn the businessy end of it and keep their business running at the same time. And so what NSCA did, I guess, 14 years ago, this was the 14th annual, I believe, um, they put together this business and leadership conference for business owners, for CEOs, CFOs, presidents, um, other you know, management types in our industry that already know the technology. They know the unique challenges of the AV and systems integration industries, but they need that business background. They need that extra nugget. They need that impetus to change, to evolve, to compete on a level with other companies or better than other companies to succeed. And so they put together these, these business conferences every year. Um, this is the first year that I was able to attend. And, you know, I'm, I'm in the last dying gasps of getting my own MBA from uh, university of Maryland. Currently I've been doing that. Thank you. <laughs> and honestly, I learned as much from this three day conference in Dallas as I did in a couple of semesters worth of MBA coursework. I mean, it was that fantastic. Plus, it was people in our industry so that the networking and the talking and the application of the theory applied to what I know, what I need, you know. And it it was just a wonderful opportunity to just hang out with some of these people that you might never meet in our industry, pick the brains of some of the experts they brought in. And and, I mean, the the article that you you had us looking at for this uh, podcast is actually part one of three. It was a three-day conference, and I wrote three articles about it, one per day. I mean, it was that just intense, but fantastic, you know. So I'm always a big cheerleader. You'll know from having me on the podcast and having read my blogs and articles, I'm a big cheerleader on education and continuing ed in our industry. I can't speak highly enough about this. If you have the chance, save your money and go to the BLC in the future. They also have scholarships. Um, you can apply for a scholarship, and if you're a first-time attendee, you can attend for free other than oh, wow. you're you know, paying for your airfare oh, yeah. uh, because fortunately that's what I did this year because <laughs> until recently I wasn't working. Um, 
but I had one one of their scholarships and I, I got to go for free. And let me tell you, I'm already I already told Mr. A V Dawn we're saving up because I'm going next year wherever it is. It's it's just amazing. Wow. That's cool. And and so the the, the rest of your three, um the number two and number three are gonna be about days two and days three? Absolutely. And actually, you know, the first article here, the one that you all have read now, um, actually just talks about the opening dinner and the awards ceremony that they gave out the uh the what is it? NSCA um, Excellence in Business Awards that they give out on in different categories like philanthropic contributions, growth strategies. Um, it's an award that NSCA has been giving out for, I guess, quite a while, separate from the BLC event. And they've sort of incorporated it into the BLC. But the the following two articles, when whenever they run in rave, they actually talk about the meat of some of the courses, the keynote speakers, um, the financial implications, you know, the things we learn. Uh, there was one class on um, being aware of um, overcoming adversity and being aware of your financial state in your business. And the teacher of that course, he is a, an, an AV integrator in, I believe, Tennessee, who um, had, been embe- had been embezzled from. Wow. He, he had a person working in his office that he trusted, and they embezzled just a stupid amount of tens of thousands of dollars before she was caught. Uh, here it is, uh, $257,000 from the company. Oh. Yeah. And, and, and he wrote a book about his experiences, and everyone that attended this year's BLC got a copy of his book. But, you know, he, he talked about, look, we're, we're tech guys. We're AV guys. We're construction guys. We, we don't deal with all of this stuff. We trust people to do our books for us or to keep track of these things. And, you need to be aware and here's what you need to do as a business owner to prevent this from happening to you. And if it happens to you, here's what you have to do to get through it. Yeah. And, you know, and these people just speak from their own experiences on so many different topics at the BLC that, it, I mean, it's just amazing to learn from. Wow. That's very cool. Um, from AV Technology Online, it's a blog post from a guy by the name of Christopher um, Mayoni. My own. Um, He's talking about control systems, and I'm going to read a, a quote from the from the post and, and, and ask you guys kind of the, one of the questions from it. Um, he says, I'm not sure what the best approach is talking about control system design uh, and really touch panel design, but the way AV designers and system integrators are going about it is not the answer. We need a different approach to AV system control, and it needs to be simple and easy to operate. And, oh, yeah, it needs to be intuitive. It shouldn't be so hard. Think about this. We've each used ATM machines all over the world. They have, for the most part, a clean, intuitive, and uniform look and feel. We need AV control systems to be the same. Now, the person who taught me AV control systems, and specifically Crestron control systems, I personally think is the best teacher in the whole wide world. Oh, stop. (laughs) I wasn't going to say your name. Whatever. <laughs> um, I, not for nothing, but Kevin was actually my teacher for my essentials class for Crestron a uh, hundred years ago, and you know, Kevin and I don't, I don't actually remember if this was like your your leaning or or if it was a Crestron thing. I believe it was a Crestron thing. You guys use dashboard. You guys use dashboard when you teach and, and that's something that that you guys kind of ascribe to and if you don't know what dashboard is i'm referring to dashboard for controls which is a a document that infocom put out a number of years ago detailing 
a simple, intuitive interface. Uh, so, Mr. Wonderful Teacher, we'll start, we'll start with you because you guys, I mean, you, you guys are not for nothing. You're one of the, the biggest, you know, touch panel manufacturers, and this stuff affects you directly. So is it, you know, do we need not another standard, because I know how much you abhor those, but how do we get it through to the contractors and the AV system designers that, hey, you know, make this ATM simple? Well, that, that's a well. Let me start off by saying there's a little bit of um, there's a little bit of continuity that I felt was missing. Um, to talk about it in the form of control is not exactly accurate um, because, from a standpoint of an interface, <laughs> the control happens in the background. It's the processor that is talking to all the devices that does the control. But it's more of the GUI, or as you know, as stated, the graphical user interface, or the interface itself, which is the the as we like to call it in, on our side, the uh, digital to organic interface. And there's always problems with that. Um, and that you know, that'll sink in a little later. Um, but the idea of should there be consistency, should there be simplicity? Yes. The problem with that is we have no control over that. That is, everyone who ever designs an interface, anyone who ever does graphics, is the maker of that magic. Um, I, I'm a big fan of simplicity, right? If it takes you more than three key clicks to get to where you want to go, you missed it, right? Which is why, uh, picking on the iPad just for a second, uh, or any mobile device, if you will, a lot of those devices aren't always up front. So you have to go through, jump through a lot of hoops to actually get to the controls that you're looking for or to the interface that you're looking for. But to boil it down, simplicity is very key because without simplicity, you'll get, just get frustration from the user. Um, as, a, as a good rule of thumb, always hand it to someone who is not the designer to see if it makes sense to them, right? Like hand it to your kid. If the kid can figure it out, that might not be a great example. Hand it to the 70-year-old lady or give it to Dawn's mom or, or grandmother. And if she can figure it out, that means you've got a good interface there. Um, it, it's just a matter of making things more enjoyable and more convenient. Now, as a sidestep to that, though, what we're also facing is more integration. So it's uh, piling more features, more functions, more uh, stuff into the same, let's say, glass or the same touchscreen real estate, mm -hmm. guess what? It's going to get more confusing. Uh, because even in this article, they talk about, you know, telecons or video conferencing. Gosh, guys, I defy you to do that. You know, people do this all the time or try to do this all the time. Do that on a four-inch touchscreen. Mm-mm. Right, you're into seven to eight page flips, and it just gets into this, you know, uh, bad experience for the user. Uh, so I think we're kind of um, climbing a little bit uphill, uh, where we could get into much more intuitive interfaces, much more simplistic interfaces. Uh, but then that would just, you know, tax the back end, if it were, uh, as far as the control systems communications. Now, if you know the coin of phrase, now we're into more macro operations as opposed to. Uh, do it exactly as you want to do it as you're going along, if that makes sense. No, it does. Uh, Rich, you're one of the magic makers. <laughs> uh, wow. I, yeah, I, uh, I might catch some heat for this. Um, I, 
I completely disagree with the impetus behind this article. I think this article points out a lot of the obvious, but it doesn't really give any answers in terms of saying, you know, the, the ATM analogy, I, it, it made the necks on my hair bristle a little bit because an ATM does one thing. You go in, you get money. Yeah, exactly. it's because it does one thing. <laughs> well, yeah. okay? It does one thing. Well, you know, well hold on, Rich. Rich, you have to remember, habla espanol, la prima dos. Yes. Right, so you're right. There is very limited functions there. It, well, it is a defined scope. Correct. Right. So, so at that point, you have a defined endpoint that you're reaching, and you are doing it in one, you know, in, in a it pot- potentially the only thing down the decision tree is changing the idiom, changing the way that you visually access it. But you know, this has always been my issue with the design process and, and technical people trying to define the user experience. Mm-hmm. It it makes me grit my teeth. And, 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 and again, I'm coming for residential, so I am dealing with people in their home, not their business, not the place they show up where a committee maybe rules on a panel or, you know, you've got different operators. This is what they live with day in and day out. And the thing that we've always tried to push with people is that automation and touch panels are not about technology. They are simply there to assist you because you are a creature of habit. For the most part, all, and we use the term overlay control systems because that's really all it is. It's an interpreter. It is your conduit from the, the you know, what is it, the digital to organic experience. And I agree with Kevin in, in this, absolutely. You know, you can't control that side. You, you have personalities, and they are each going to relate to how they get from point A to point B differently. It's just, it's, it's just how they're going to process it. But the end result is, is that in, even in a home, and I'm going to extend it out to a commercial environment. I've always felt that there are only eight things that you ever need to really worry about first. You want it on, you want it off. You want it brighter, you want it dimmer. You want it warmer, you want it cooler. And you want it louder and you want it softer. And so many people deviate from that on all of the other functions before they even get to that part. Uh, and, and the way that we've looked at it is that, you know, if you come into a space and you perform the same action mechanically nine out of ten times, you know, whether it's video conferencing, turning on the lights, a screen, a projector, whatever that is, the purpose of this system is to take those steps and condense them so that you do press video conference or in a residential application, I'm home, because people generally are creatures of habit. So to take this and to say, well, you know, there's all of these different ways of being able to do it, and, and you know, we keep gumming up the works, and you know, we, we had it much simpler before. Well, yeah, you did, because like Kevin was saying, we got more stuff now. There's just yeah. more things, and they each have their own unique ways of interfacing with it. So we're always the guys that are stuck in the middle saying, how do I break this down? And I don't even use the word simple, because simple isn't what we're looking for. We're looking for elegant. Elegant, yeah, exactly. right? That, that's the key. That's the, the adjective that we use, is that simple you want simple don't have a control system have a light switch that's simple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah have a relay yeah, have a relay i mean and that's the whole thing elegance is treating a touch panel that somebody walks up to that is ubiquitous as a light switch they can look at it and say i pretty much get what the function of this thing is how you get there 
that style. That is the magic. And that is what separates some companies from others, why some companies are, are better at it than others. Um, you know, I had the, the, the luxury and the good fortune of working with Mr. York in the early AMX days, uh, well, in the middle of the AMX days. Um, and he's a brilliant guy. You know, it's why he and Scott Miller got together, because they caught on to it. I mean, York Controls was started basically so that they could automate, um, um, what is it, slide projectors. That was one of its first devices. It was it was yeah. to be able to to just move slides forward. Yeah. No, and, and Rich is right, and I think the only comment that I had towards the article is that he, he quoted uh, Dashboard for Controls, which was Infocom, and you know there was uh, AMX and Crestron, and even some education facilities were uh, on that let's say board of of people that put that document together. Um, just you know, just real quickly, that the concept of that document wasn't to define what the user interface was. It was to help, let's say, define more of a guideline of layout, uh, the, the concept of, of using the actual dashboard of a car. You can get into any car at any time, and you could figure out where the controls are mm-hmm. because it's always somewhat familiar. Um, what they had was this just rampant of people putting what they wanted, where they wanted, how they wanted. And uh, this actually, again, came from the university market where they had problems where integrators were uh, causing, and not you know intentionally, they were causing confusion from the user when going from classroom to classroom and having to relearn the interface. So the idea behind dashboard was to say, hey, you know, your your power is always in the upper right hand uh, upper right hand corner. Your volume is always in the lower left hand. You know, it was kind of like this look and feel that no matter if the graphical interface changed or they used pictures or they used buttons, whatever, you always kind of had the same, uh, you know, localization of control of the function you were looking for. That's where dashboard came from. I agree with Kevin. I would even go so much farther as to say that what dashboard dashboard defined is that. It's a car, as opposed mm-hmm. to saying it's not a plane. <laughs> you know, it, <laughs> you, you don't have fifteen thousand buttons to land the plane. Yeah, exactly. You know, you have a steering wheel. You know, a car has a steering wheel, not a yoke, not a rudder. You know, <laughs> yeah. th- that's kind of the basics of dashboard. Nothing. And I agree with Kevin. That was the premise behind it was to say, look, here is here is a guideline for people who aren't versed in the user experience, people who aren't spending the time on the psychology of touch, for lack of a better word, um, on how to interact with the digital or organic interface to be able to say, look, you've got a technician, you've got a system, you've got 50 classrooms that you have to deploy. If you're going to unify this and you want to make it as simple as possible and not hire a graphic designer and user interface specialist and everything else, here's a basic roadmap and some rules of thumb that we have found to be successful. The end. Then take it from there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Don, let's talk about commercial for a second because Rich said the the phrase elegant. Do corporate people care about elegant or do they care about functional? We've lost Don. Uh, uh, well, while we gained Don back, I would say Tim. Yeah, the corporate does actually care about elegant. <laughs> I left her speechless. She's still well, you know. making a voodoo doll of me and poking pins in it you right know, You now. know what? Forgoza said elegant, I, I and she went out. <laughs> I'm I'm here. I'm, I, I I muted the mic. I had a dog on my lap. That's I apologize. Right. Um, no, I, yes. Uh, co- corporate wants both elegant and functional. 
Um, the, the problem is, if I can go back to an analogy one of you guys just used, you know, the difference between a car and a plane. The problem is in the commercial world, we need to use the same machine to f- both drive and fly. And, and, and what I mean by that is we're dealing with two different customers when we're doing touch panels. We have to deal with Joe executive who wanders in or Joe instructor who wanders in once in a while, uses the system to do like the same three things and just wants it to work and wants it to work easily. And he's, you know, your car driver. I just want to steer and go. And then we have the power users, the IT guys, the guy that is the AV guru at the company, um, the, the, the guy that thinks he knows everything. And he or she is the one that wants to be able to control everything to the micro level from the touch panel. And so you have to design both simple, easy, elegant, couple button pushes and it goes, macro type functionality for the easy people, the dummy buttons we call it, but they're not dummies, you know. And then you have to have like this other whole touch panel GUI design for the power user that wants to be able to control everything as if he had all 50 remotes and access to the front button panels on all the racks. And, and, and sometimes that can be a nightmare if you have like a superpower user. We just tell them no. But, you know, you, what it comes down to is at least in the past, my company had always done almost two graphic users. We, we would do like a hidden menu mm-hmm. that the power users were able to access that gave them all the functionality to everything. And it included the, you know, dialing pad for their VTC and whatever, all, all, the, all the buttons. And then we would do a simple thing with macros, with presets for your average user so that if, you know, CEO Chuck came in and CEO Chuck wants to call the same people he always calls, CEO Chuck can come in and push that one button and it'll dim the lights and get it all set up for the VCC and dial that one number, you know. So it gets so much more complicated than just make it simple, stupid, or you know, give us all the functionality because you're trying, some people are flying a plane with this panel and some people are driving a car. Yeah. And some people shouldn't be driving the plane that are driving the plane. So well, some and, people and should you know, be walking. Yes. But, but the article basically said, I mean, the, the first, I'm not going to call it a mistake, but the first issue that I had was he said, we've got the programmers making the touch panels. Well, <laughs> you don't necessarily, you know, you, you don't, if you have the luxury, sometimes you're pressed for the same person to have to do multiple things. But if somebody's responsibility is the coding and, and the actual things that work, they may not necessarily have the bandwidth or the training or be able to relate to the complete other side, which is how do I get there? Yeah. And so what seems simple and elegant to them, to anybody else other than who's intimately knowledgeable about the system, doesn't make any sense. And, I, and that's where I took the biggest issue, is that you've got the wrong people developing it in the first place. You know, the touchscreen layout. It's like, it's like the Google uh, engineers developing something cool and sexy. Right. Well, and that's the whole thing. You know, I mean, he, he referenced Apple as simple and elegant. Well, yeah, because they have an entire division who, spe- who specializes just in the look. Nothing yeah. else. They have the Johnny Ive. The industry isn't full of graphics designers. Right. Exactly. Yeah, Rich is right. I mean, you're, when you talk about Apple, they have a team of graphic people. Yeah. Uh, when you get into the AV industry, we got one guy that's pretty good with Photoshop. or or you have a company like my my former company where my husband mr av dawn was the programmer and i was the marketing kind of make it pretty person but we would work together on touch panels 
And I would say, no, fix that. Or let me, let me do this, you know, basic layout for you. And we we would work together on things. Not every company has an AV Dawn or, you know, a Mr. AV Dawn that, that is willing to work in a team to develop these things. So you, you do run into the programmer trying to make it pretty or the pretty maker people making just things that don't work. Well, and again, to bring out a point is that, again, is that I, in, in, in my prior career, I had a much larger consulting company. And I had five and six figure budgets just on the GUI, just the GUI, nothing else. Well, and you hire I'm sorry? You guys hire them? I, that, that was a long time ago. In oh. the big part of the of the dot com, and, but we did, you know, in you know, this is circa nineteen between nineteen ninety six and two thousand one, um, you know, and and we were pushing the envelope on things, but we actually hired and built, as far as I knew at the time, the first contract um, graphics department just for touch panel layouts. Wow. And it became a division in our company. We brought in graphic designers who had no coding experience. Their only job was graphics. And then they worked in tandem with our programming team, you know, and with my guys, and and we then created the sum of the parts. Now, are some companies smaller and don't necessarily have that bandwidth? Yeah, but that's why you bring – that's why you collaborate. And that's, again, the issue is that it's, it's the concept that you all have to do it. And the idea of collaborating with other talented artists, which is what they are at that point, it shouldn't be in technology. I think it's the opposite. I think you have to have it in technology for just that reason, because everybody complains about this. This is the single biggest gripe you hear from people. It's too complicated. There's too many buttons. Right. Why? Because we've got tech people designing it. Yeah. And it even goes – if you look even from the graphic standpoint, I mean uh, kind of to supplement Don's answer to Tim – Commercially, yeah, you you have a you have a big disparity. Um, commercial integrators typically, and, and this isn't you know their fault. They're very busy, just like everybody else. But they don't spend a whole lot of time on their graphics. And and a lot of times, what happens is you know you'll get that trade show or something where you know there's a control system company, uh, you know, like a really good one, restaurant, and that's out there, and uh, they're showing their graphics or you see their interface. And when they get to, you know, they, they purchase the product, the integrator gets in, the job's done, and they light up that touchscreen and they see great chiclets. Uh, that kind of is a letdown, right? Well, we used to, uh, well that, was, that was in the early days. We had gray, white, and black chiclets. Then we yeah. had 16 colors worth of chiclets in right. the early 90s. That was awesome. Then we I, remember what, I remember when sick. we first got the round button. It was sick. Yeah. Just <laughs> wait, wait till now, you know, with Core 3 that, we're, that we've released and – uh, you know, continuing development on where, you know, you'll be able to on the fly change the whole theme of the of the interface just with the touch of a button. Uh, by the way, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm uh, I feel kind of like my, when my daughter, when she was four years old after tantrum, she'd look at me and she'd go, I'm finished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Wow. I'm, right. I'm, I'm finished. <laughs> well, I think this is, this is one of the last, uh, Devices uh, from that was released at Infocom that you know uh, maybe not the last but one of the last where some interesting news has come out. Um, Biamp launched their Tessera uh, processor in in uh, June of last year, and they finally have an education <laughs> two day course set up for it. Uh, so those of you who have been hacking away at it um, can finally learn you know how to do it right. So um, <laughs> contact uh, Biamp for that. Uh, they're in Beaverton, Oregon. But I, I thought it was a cool thing um, in, in, uh, back in, in June. Um, 
We're going to end the show with uh, Mr. Fragoza and uh, Mr. Matt D. Scott giving us their reviews because they've got the their own uh, hot little iPads uh, in their hands. Uh, we'll get their reviews of the new iPad. Uh, we'll start with Mr. Scott. Uh, what do you think of your new toy, sir? Well, technically it's not my toy. Whose is um, it? I bought it for my wife. Oh, oh. you didn't. I did so. <laughs> That's like me buying my wife Bears tickets. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, no, but I have used it quite extensively, and I'm I'm in love with it, especially considering uh, I, I myself am still using an original generation unit. So the difference between my original iPad and her iPad 3 is disgustingly huge. It's a huge generation gap. Uh, in what it can do and how it runs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I must say I'm absolutely loving the new Retina display. That's that's by far one of the coolest things for me um, is definitely that. Uh, the 4G is pretty screaming fast as well, uh, depending on our lovely networks up here in the good city of London. Uh, in the great white north. Yeah, the Great White North. So, is um, it? Let me ask you this because I, I do not have a uh, first generation or any other. Any other, is it worth uh, the extra hundred bucks to go to the new iPad, or should I just do an iPad two for for four hundred bucks? No, 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 no. It's for the extra hundred bucks. Definitely buy it. It's worth it just in the camera alone. Okay. And, and that's kind of the big thing is you know yeah it's not a huge speed bump if you already had an iPad two. And you didn't necessarily need any of the new uh, features that are in the new one, then yeah, it's a much harder decision. I remember having a conversation with uh, uh, Bradford Ben, and he was telling me how he was not going to upgrade because he already has the two. And uh, to me, that makes perfect sense. He doesn't really need the camera because he uses a, a professional camera when he shoots uh, for real stuff. So you know, in that situation, yeah, maybe not unless you just want to you know buy a new one to buy a new one. But yeah, if you if you don't have anything, don't don't cheap out. It's definitely not worth it. Okay. Mister Fergosa, Mister uh, Mister iPhone Apple guy. Yes. Give it to um, me. Three things. Love it. I, it's faster, uh, prettier, uh, and the, uh, the the speed. I mean, just the speed on it. It's it's. I mean, you can definitely tell with the processing chip. The cellular version definitely huge difference between that and my iPad. I mean, we've got we've got iPads littered around our house. Um, and absolutely. Now, you know, I would say that if you have an iPad one or don't have an iPad, then get the new iPad. If you have an iPad two, it's an incremental update. The only reason why I would suggest it would be to go for the full bore unit. You know, at that point, just get the cellular version with the 4G because it screams. I mean, it's a night and day difference between the two. And the camera's amazing. Um, you know, at CES, I use my iPhone four to do a lot of my my video and 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 uh, interview gathering information. Um, I plan on carrying this, this new iPad around Infocom when I'm doing my, my gathering and mm-hmm. hooking up my little iRig uh, microphone setup to it because I think it's a perfect on-the-fly for somebody who me who doesn't do professional video or audio recording, but for somebody like me to just be able to carry something that weighs two pounds and a microphone to be able to do you know field recording and interviews and booths or something like that, it's amazing. And the camera is, te- I mean, the biggest thing for me with the iPad isn't necessarily the iPad itself. It's now coupled with uh, Apple's cloud technology. It is the first ripple in 
in a huge wave that's going to be coming in terms of the ecosystem that they're building because everything's connected. As a perfect example, um, I bought the, the, the new Apple TV as well, the new 1080p device. Um, sat around the house, took a quick video of my son running around, pushed the AirPlay button. Within 30 seconds, not even 30 seconds, I'm going to say probably close to 15 seconds of when I stopped recording the video, I had that video playing on my 65-inch plasma in my family room in full 1080p, playing it back. Wow. And yeah. that's, that's, you know, again, one of those big, huge features of the Apple ecosystem is, you know, and this kind of touches on the touch panel thing, they've just designed stuff to work. It just... It just works. works. Yeah, and that's what has made it so – like, you know, you always get all the tech guys who love all the different things of tech. But we can do a lot of things that your average consumer can't do. For for my wife, the fact that she can update a contact in her iPad if she's doing an open house and have it instantly update on her phone just makes life so much better. Can we figure out ways to do that with different machines and different servers and stuff like that? Most definitely, but for her as someone who is technically inclined, but not necessarily a geek on our level of crazy geeks, <laughs> it, this is where you know Apple has got it right, and it's become such an effective part of people's lives because it does all that stuff that they didn't know they needed until they did it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll add even further with it again with with the ecosystem. And again, if my mom and dad or my in laws are listening, close your ears because you don't want to hear about your present. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're going to be giving our our immediate family because again, I've, I've got a she's going to be eight. Uh, my daughter and my son's going to be turning two. We're constantly taking pictures, and the biggest problem that we've always had is like these photo frames, and you ship them, and you put pictures, and you can never update it. We're just going to send our family Apple TVs because we can link our photo streams live photos from within oh. minutes of what we've taken them yeah. will be showing up on their TV. Wow. Yeah, it, it, and and it works. I mean, we, oh, we, we've been using it for the past week. We went to the St. Patrick's Day Parade, and <laughs> we took pictures of the kids, and we came back home, and we turned on the TV because it turned onto the screensaver. There were the photos that we had just taken a couple of hours earlier as a screensaver on our TV. That's cool, man. Um, so, uh, again, you know, now, is the iPad the reason behind it? No, it's not. But it is an amazing tool, especially now because of the better camera. You can carry the thing around, snap a picture if you're not using your iPhone, consume it. And, and reading books on this thing with the retina display, forget about it. It's insane. Now, right, one, one thing I will t- comment on in reference to the pictures, the, uh, the iPhoto app, have you played with that, Rich? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is disgustingly amazing. Like, so, so, it, it is yeah. phenomenal. I, I would use it on the iPad before I would use it in, uh, or sorry, on my Mac. And for most situations, it is more than fine. I would never have to open Photoshop again. Wow. Again, most situations, but it's... It is a phenomenal piece. They, they've done a really, really good job. Yeah, for for our, our Google and Android and Unix and Linux and open source friends that are out there, um, Apple's eating their lunch on this one. They really are. And and this is, I mean, I happen to like the Apple product, but if there was something better out there, I'd buy it. I, you know, I, I'm, a, you know I'm a technology nerd. If yeah. I see something cool, I want it and I buy it and I like playing with it, you know. <laughs> and, you know, I, mean, I have a Kaleidoscape because it's the best video player on the planet. And it's It's elegant. You know, that's why the the iPad to me is that in terms of a tablet, it's the most really elegant should. solution I found. Yes, I'm still on the phone. 
And on that note... Wow. <laughs> Sorry, I think it's... you dropped this knife in my back. <laughs> it's the best video player that has an attachable uh, DVD <laughs> ripper thingy. <laughs> Is that better? We're gonna be, they're going to be releasing the laser disc option to it next year. Yeah. Yeah, but see, we still have we still have that one little little feature that no one else has: the whole world search thing. Yes. I love world search. It is cool. It is it cool. Is cool. And um, we're getting ready to release a new version of it. And and Mr. Aselli, I will say that my kaleidoscape systems perform beautifully with my very large scale DM systems that are being installed. So. Of course, because we play well with everyone. <laughs> Well, most everyone. Some people you don't like. <laughs> I didn't say that. I did. You're listening to AV Week. I didn't say who. I mean, you don't like me. So, um, oh, I love you. I know. Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Um, that's Kevin Iselli. He's from Crestron Electronics. Uh, he doesn't have a blog nor a Twitter, so don't bother. Uh, go to Crestron. You have a Twitter, but you haven't tweeted since, like, Lincoln got assassinated. So... <laughs> I think um, that was my last tweet. And we you know what? You have, you have <laughs> you have one of the coolest Twitter handles, and you don't do anything with it. What is your Twitter handle? Control Freak. To... Oh yeah. I just I just think it's cool. So yeah. Uh, so thank you very much for <laughs> for stopping by on your birthday. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks. For talking to you guys all again. M- many bourbons this evening in, in celebration, Mr. Rosselli. Yes. Happy birthday. I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> bourbon. You should you should smoke that that Maker's Mark. So uh, either that or you know mix it with Pepsi Crystal meth. Oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> that, that I'm guy, having bourbon and cough syrup tonight. <laughs> the the guy having bourbon and cough syrup is is from the West Coast, of course, and he's uh, Rich Fragosa. Fragozadesign.com. Fragozadesign.com. Thank you for putting up with my rantings this oh, week. Oh, that's why I have you on. It's for your rantings. <laughs> um, that and you tell me about all the really cool, expensive systems you put in that I can only dream of. So, I'll uh, send pictures next time. Thank you. Uh, Matt D. Scott is from Omega Audio Video. OmegaAudioVideo.com from London, Ontario. Uh, he's also at Omega Audio Video. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. It's been a blast. Uh, and last but certainly not least, the AV goddess herself, blogger extraordinaire, and the marketing and media coordinator for NetAV. Her name is Dawn Mead. I almost called you AV Dawn, which would still be relevant. I'm AV Dawn. That's fine. Still AV Dawn, but no, Dawn Mead. So, uh, my name is Tom Albright. If you'd like to follow me, uh, it's at TD Albright, Tim David Albright. But more importantly for me and everybody here at uh, at the whole. Uh, AV Nation, go to our website, ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation, ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. We have a brand new uh, show coming down the pike. Uh, It's called The Live Life. It deals with live staging, hosted by one of our regular contributors on this show, uh, George Tucker. Uh, So check that out uh, here in the next couple of weeks. We have another education show coming down the pike. We have another social show, the AV social coming down the pike. Um, and uh, a couple more. So, yeah, just go to the website, av, uh, uh, ravepubs.com forward slash avnation, ravepubs.com forward slash avnation. It's all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs>